the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now, Healthcare now. with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayak. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now the Studios. Healthcare now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now, and thanks for joining us this Saturday afternoon. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with my co-host, Larry Jones. Larry, how are you today? Good afternoon, Dr. Mark. Great. We have a great show again today. It's just going to be the two of we us do. rambling on about healthcare and the news. Everything you know, healthcare. You know, we've been talking in that first segment about COVID-related issues uh, yeah. since we started last January, yes. and we've filled the segment. Sometimes we've rolled over into the second or third segment. Mm-hmm. So now, last week... We barely made the front segment. That's right. Okay. So I think the great predictor of when we come out of the pandemic is when that segment goes to something else completely. Well, I hope one day we can come to the studio and not talk about COVID. I think, well, I I don't (laughs) doubt that that's going to happen at all, but, but not Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. But this week, really the, the only big news was Mm. that our five to 11 year olds are now qualified to get the uh, vaccine. That's right. And I mean, I'll start on a personal note. My mm-hmm. 11-year-old, uh, we got his vaccine on Sunday. Oh, okay. So, uh, so last week, and did he, he have any effects? No, he did no. fine. The, the kids yeah. typically do. I mean, it's they pretty do. unusual yeah. to have yeah. an effect, but he did great. But it was interesting. So here's my 11-year-old, and he immediately mm-hmm. asked his mom. He says, "You know, should I get this now, or should I wait two months until I'm 12 and I'll get the full dose?" Well, that's a good point. It was a good point. What and, a and, smart eleven-year-old. Yeah, you know, I don't know who's I related never to. Never thought of that. Yeah. And Must be either. take after his mother. I, I'm thinking that's the only way. <laughs> the looks and the everything, the whole shebang. But yeah, so when it made us think about that, mm-hmm. and and my that opinion on that is that the whole idea of lowering the dose has less to do with the kid's size and more to do with their hyperactivity of their immune system. Right. So as an 11 or 12-year-old, you're on that, maybe you're on that, that tail end. Yeah. But I felt quite confident that this mm-hmm. would be the right thing for him. Yeah. But that was kind of interesting. But we did, yeah. uh, we did. Uh, t- you and I talked about a, a nice article yeah. uh, regarding article this pediatric viewpoint. Yes, in, yeah. yep, in yeah. viewpoint. Pediatric viewpoint. And it, and it talks about, with you know, the FDA approving it. Right. But then it talks about the safe safeness and and effectiveness of the covid vaccine for children and then it talks about where and when you should get vaccinated and the benefits and i thought it it, it expanded a little bit it talked about uh will kids be safe in school when they're vaccinated right yeah let's it, talk I mean, about yeah, that Dr. yeah Mark. well i think yeah. you know first, first off how did they decide that it was safe what what right. was the data that went to the fda and was examined by the cdc and that was basically it wasn't a huge study no but it was carefully done uh they were giving you know a third of the dose that mm-hmm. uh, the, the adults get right and uh let's see where the the numbers i think the vaccine went into about about 2,200 kids, Yeah, but right? I think the reason that they didn't expand it is the results were so conclusive. Oh, no doubt. No that doubt. They said, we don't exactly. need to continue this yeah, test. Yeah, they, they didn't have yeah. any problems. Right, right. There were no right. significant, uh, you know, they had 
a little bit of fatigue. Every, like 76% yeah. of them had soreness in the arm. There was right. a little bit of fatigue, mm-hmm. but no, no major issues. They no, didn't no have any per- pericarditis. Now, they did state that given the rareness of the pericarditis, myocarditis, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have expected to see any in this mm-hmm. smaller group. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's still, that's still good information. You, you had mentioned earlier that you had a friend that uh, had the vaccine. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they an got adult. to peritonitis. Yeah, this was, it was like the week of interest, interesting questions. Oh, no, pericarditis. Pericarditis, yeah. yeah so okay. I had an adult buddy of mine mm-hmm. who had uh, the mRNA vaccine, mm-hmm. got his first dose, and had a, kind of a mild to moderate case of pericarditis. He okay. didn't have to get treatment, did not get hospitalized. Okay. okay. And so then he said, now what do I do? So what are the symptoms of pericarditis, Dr. Mark? Uh, they, well, what your symptoms are is you mm-hmm. can actually feel pain. Like pain in you your chest? You can actually feel some shortness of breath. Okay. And you can kind of feel like you're just winded, and it's really your heart's the one that's screaming out. Pericarditis mm-hmm. is an inflammation of the surrounding tissue around the, the heart, okay. whereas myocarditis is inflammation of the actual the heart, actual heart tissue, muscle. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. And it can be quite severe. Yeah. Um, there have been some tough cases, but, but so he had this moderate moderate case, mm-hmm. uh, and fully recovered. And then it was time for a second vaccine. So it lasted, what, a couple of days? Or? About a week. Oh, about a week? week. Yeah, okay. about a week okay. that he would notice okay. something was going on. Mm-hmm. They gave him a week-long dosage of, of uh, oral antibiotics. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, of oral okay. steroids. Okay. And so, yeah, he had that, and then he's like, so what's next? I can't, can I get the next vaccine? And I said, yeah. I absolutely don't know. Yeah. So I did what you're supposed to do. And I made the three phone calls okay. to people that I trust. Mm-hmm. And the first two were Dr. like, Mike you know. for one. Yep, yep. yep. Do- I talked mm-hmm. to Dr. Mike and uh-huh. Dr. G- Dr. Gymnatis. Yep. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a pediatric infectious disease doctor. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ajay, too, would have yeah. been a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about vaccines mm-hmm. with him, but yeah, it'd be interesting. But so, so, but it was interesting because, okay, so it's a side effect, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it could be one of the other side effects. But the same question should be asked after each one because all of these vaccines, including the Johnson & Johnson now, mm-hmm. are talking about getting multiple doses. So common sense might say, well, this one gave you a problem. Don't get it again. Right. Statistics would say that if you have a mild to moderate case, you can, you can get it. You can go ahead and get your next dose. Okay. Okay. I, mm-hmm. Would I be nervous about it? I absolutely would. Of course you would. Yep. And parents would yep. be very nervous. Right. Yeah. And then if you had a severe case that, let's say you had the mRNA vaccine, if you had a severe case, you could still get the other vaccine. You could get a Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting to me. So even if you had a severe case, so so that was the answer. I don't think anyone claims there's a lot of data on that. Right. But that apparently is is the current. Well, the incidences of side effects are quite low. They are, they yeah. are. But once yeah. you've had them, your incidence of possibly getting it again are are elevated. Okay. And and the question becomes, is it more serious? Now we, they they did a lot of studies on the other side effects. You know, like the soreness and the fatigue, and mm-hmm. they they really showed that between the first and second and the booster, there weren't many differences. It wasn't like there were as many people that said I had. I was sick the first time and not the second time as there were. I was fine the first time and not, you know, not the second time. So it was, there's really more information to get out there. But I just mm-hmm. thought it was interesting in, in how much that hasn't been reported. Like, what do you do? Because right. there's, there's a handful of people out there. I haven't heard anyone talk about these things. Yeah. So that was kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. I, I, thought it was, okay. I thought it was interesting. It was but, very good. But well, back to the pediatric yeah. side. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so now families are thinking about it and we mm-hmm. think about 30% to 35% of, of, Kids between age five Those and eleven will get statistics. vaccinated, yep. right? Yep. And and why? So this article was very forthcoming about 
the why. And the why wasn't really that we were just protecting the children. In fact, it wasn't about that much at all, was it? I mean, it was really about keeping them in school, decreasing quarantines, uh, and decreasing spread to adults, therefore limiting disease in adults. Particularly the uh, grandparents. Yep. Yep. So so it is. This is truly, truly a herd technology. Right. And it makes sense. And I'm I'm fully behind we it. We talked think it's about great. that weeks yep. ago. And I think the interesting part of this school mandate, you know, schools have mandated vaccinations all through ever the since forever. Yep. And yeah. this is just one more. And right. I think the politic politicization the yep. of this whole thing oh, no has just created yeah. a monster. Yeah, no 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 yeah. question. Yeah. And and the number of people who are anti vaxxers with mm-hmm. all those other childhood vaccines is considerably mm-hmm. less considerably less yep. than the yep. anti-vaxxers yep. against this vaccine. Yep. And it's not because yep. it's a bad vaccine. It's right. actually a great technology that's been worked on for over a decade. And it really should be treated yep. like any other vaccine. Right. But, right. but nope, we get to talk about it every week for 15 minutes, it seems <laughs> exactly. like. You know? For almost a year now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I find it interesting. Your 11-year-old had it. Right. Uh, and had no effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of my grandkids had it. They had absolutely... Maybe a little sore arm for a right. few hours, and that was it. Yep, yep. And and, and, and yeah. that should be the norm for the majority of folks. And you know whether or not they're just their immune systems are different. I think there was there was a concern that they might have some of these weirder things like the pericarditis, myocarditis, mm-hmm. because that is absolutely yeah. right. a bolstering of the immune system. But here's Larry. Here's another thing that came up in talking to some of the experts that okay. I called. Okay, they also commented that. If you had that kind of reaction, that it, that was a different kind of cell that was mediating that reaction, right? It's actually a T cell or a, a T memory cell. Okay. And that the reality is, is if you have that kind of reaction, in theory, you might be more immune than somebody that just got a vaccine and just had the, more of the short-term antibody production. Yeah. So I thought that was also something. There's just so yes. much that we don't know. Yeah. And I think over the next, people talk about, are we going to have this vaccine every, just like the flu vaccine? You're going to have to take a booster every year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, they don't well, know. Either. We don't know. Yeah, that's right. And, and different from the flu, you know, there are a number of different flus that we're trying to protect ourselves from, mm-hmm. which is why sometimes you get yep. the flu vaccine, you still get the flu. You're getting right. a different brand, exactly. if you will. Yep. Uh, not a brand of vaccine, but brand of flu. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we are looking at, so far, even with the variants, the vaccine is mm-hmm. the vaccine. And now, could that change in the future with a, a variant? Yeah, it, it could. With a different variant, right. yeah. But yeah. right now, what we have to see is we have to see the data being collected, which it is, and then we're going to start to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. We're going to know so much more a year from now than we do today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think one of the crazy things about this politicized disease is yeah. people screaming about, well, why don't we know? Why don't we know? Why, right. why, why is it taking so long? Right. This was everything was on turbo, man. I mean, right. the vaccine came out, all yeah. the man, yeah. everything happened faster than any ever. healthcare decision, than any in vaccine history. that's ever come Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think that we have to understand that science takes time because yeah, it, it does. it's data to collect, right. and you know, with media being rampant, so many you can get your news in so many places that it's pretty easy to read something that's right. going to lead you astray. And when that happens, it's it's throwing science out out the door and getting people emotionally involved. And you know, we're still going to have. We haven't talked about mask issues, yeah. man. Well, I mean, we, well, we, we, we still we'll have talk that. about that. But you know, I think what's important here, Doctor Mark, is 
these vaccines opened up vaccines to another 28 million people. Right. Mainly kids 5 yes. to 11. Yes. And with, with about, yeah. And if only half of them take it, you know, that's another, you know, 14, 13, 14 yeah. million kids that are going to be vaccinated, getting us closer to that herd immunity that we've been talking about yes. for a year. Yep, and add to that, you know, the number of people that were infected with the Delta variant, they have some yep. level of immunity for yep. some period of time. And, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, but now the, the Let family... Let me mention something on that. You just, you just mentioned on the, the infection rate. The only real study that's been done in the U.S. was done by the Cleveland Clinic recently. Okay. And what they did is they studied the efficacy of someone who actually had COVID and the antibodies and the protection versus someone that didn't have COVID but had the vaccines. And what they show? And the interesting part was that on many of the cases, the efficacy and the protection was the same. Yep, yep. And I think it's I just going to be interesting. over a period of time? Yeah. Or was it, or yeah. was it well, over a six-month period? Over a six-month yeah. period. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, and, and that's... Like when we're talking boosters, so exactly. so if someone if someone has has the virus, they're typically told not to run out and get the vaccine right away. Mm-hmm. You know, although yeah. it's if you look at the the way the vaccine seems to work, that might be like your first booster if you had it. But again, these are all these are all kind of interesting things to talk about. At least I hope they're interesting to the to our audience here. Yeah. But we're going to actually have facts going forward because of those kinds of studies. Sure. So that's, that's all pretty exciting. Very exciting. Dr. Mark, we're going to take a break in just a minute. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. And uh, our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us, which, by the way, is a temporary email. We will be changing that in the future as we uh, continue to grow and uh, add to our communications. But Dr. Mark will be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. Larry, we were talking on the break. We wanted to discuss uh, the uh, CMS information. Yes, we, we finished up yeah. a pretty pretty stretched COVID discussion last we time. Did. We're gonna we're gonna bleed into it a little bit more, but we're gonna add in a little yeah. government action. We're only gonna talk about it a couple more minutes, okay. and we're gonna move on. Promise? I promise. Okay. CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, 
will require all uh, COVID-19 vaccines for all employees right. at Medicare and Medicaid participating health care facilities by January 4th. Right. So we now, know that's that the, a Biden administration. Right. And we know that the government was already mm-hmm. saying in all government facilities. Yep. Yep. So this is now saying anybody that yep. uses, yep. that gets paid yep. by the government yep. health care groups, now they have to be anybody vaccinated. that participate any healthcare facilities that participate in Medicare and yep. Medicaid, including hospitals, long term care facilities, ambulatory surgery centers, and you you oh, perform yeah, a lot there. Dialysis centers, home health agencies, and anything else that provides health care that yep. accepts Medicare and Medicaid Which, dollars. I tell you, and I it, we don't have a percentage here, but I yep. bet you that covers over 90% of health care situations. 100 million people. 100 million people. Yeah. Now, yep. the interesting part, the inter- interim rule actually... Oh, as far as workers, 100 million yeah, 100 workers. 100 million workers, Incredible. Yeah. The interim rule actually stipulates that fully vaccinated means two doses of the Pfizer or Moderna or one dose of the J&J. It did not include the boosters, Dr. No. Mark. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, I guess the boosters have been approved, yep. but are they still emergency? They're basis? emergency yeah, use. So, yeah, yeah. So I think that yep. was sort of the thing of the first time around before the yep. government issued of their own employees' right. coverage. Right. Interesting. Well, you know, this puts more pressure on groups like the airlines and it big does. big corporations to press mm-hmm. it. And un- unfortunately, you know, it's going to be more news about yeah. folks that that well, aren't very even, happy about mandates. Even the hospitals that you uh, practice in, Dr. Mark, I remember at one time you'd indicated only about 50 percent of the healthcare workers were actually vaccinated. Yeah, right. Right. So yeah. this is going to fix that problem. Or, or, or it's going to it's going to attempt to fix that problem and yeah. create some other problems. Exactly. But, you know, the it's not over no, no. Uh, because they have made this somewhat political because 27 states have filed suit against the Biden administration, and a federal judge last week ordered a halt on the impl- implementation of this thing. But again, we're not to January 4th yet either. So 27 states? 27 states. How many Republican governors are there? <laughs> Probably 27. I'm thinking it's about right. I'm thinking it's about right. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I mean, it's a little bit of entertainment. At least we can predict some things. Exactly. That's the only, you got, if you don't laugh about it, That's you're going right. to cry. That's you're right. cry. That's right. So United Health Groups, mm-hmm. we, got, we talk about United a lot. Yeah. So they just sued Team Health on Wednesday, yes. alleging that the private equity-owned group of emergency room providers deliberately yeah. and systematically tricked yeah. the healthcare giant into paying more than $100 million yeah. in fraudulent yeah. claims. Dr. Mark, talk about who Team Health is, so, because so, you're very familiar yeah, with so, those. So yeah, we actually, yeah. One, of, one of our groups here, mm-hmm. here in Orlando is uh, Team Health. So we talk about venture capital groups that have come in, mm-hmm. uh, different equity groups that have come in and purchased practices. So mm-hmm. there's there are partnerships that are nationwide in the anesthesia fields. Uh, there's a there's a big pe- pediatric medicine. group, yep. and and there's a yeah big emergency medicine mm-hmm. groups. Well, Team Health is one of those groups. Okay, and so they they basically come in to a hospital system that say some group has eighty. ER physicians, they're contracted with the hospital, right. but they're not employed by the hospital, right. and they make them partners in team health. Right. I so now it. they do all of their billing together. Well, there are and, some specific incidents. Let me give you one incident mm-hmm. of team health clinicians treated a 23-year-old patient suffering from indigestion who right. came to the ER and after eating a chili dog, and they gave him an antacid and sent him home. The bill provided to United Healthcare by Team Health said the man required emergency medical care of particularly high complexity under ex- exigent circumstances and charged them $1,712. Right. So, so what that means tums. is that Chili Dog also had <laughs> onions and peppers on top, 
Okay, yeah. maybe some cheese. That that that's had to right. be it. No, that's right. insane. That's really insane. And again, we've talked about other yeah. abuses. Well, I, so how did they get the information? Was yeah. there a whistleblower here, or how did uh, that? Did no, it, it say? says that United Healthcare said it reviewed some forty six thousand commercial claims and found that roughly sixty percent should have been utilized with lower CPT codes. Now, when this when was basically a United review, right? And so yeah. when, when they say that there was a hundred million dollars in project mm-hmm. claims, if they're found guilty. By the DOJ, yeah. they can spend, isn't it like 40 times that in Absolutely. penalty? And jail time. Yep, yep. yep. Wow. That's, yep. That we, we, need to, we need to follow that. I mean, like I say, yep. it, does, it affects, we will follow affects our guys here, yep. here in Orlando yep. and in so many right. places across the U.S. Right. But, uh, but that's the first bad guy against United report we have. We've yep. kind of we've yep. had a lot of, a lot of negative well, news. Well, actually, United's done a lot of good things in the way they of have. utilization control. We've talked about that in the past, but this is the first one. But, you know, going into the same thing, the Department of Justice alleges that Kaiser Permanente out in California and all right. over the country defrauded Medicare of over a billion dollars, Dr. Mark. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, and so, first of all, Kaiser Permanente is a, it's probably, I don't know if it's the oldest um, group of its kind, which, which a huge uh, medical group it's that, huge that has its own multi-specialty, yeah, multi-specialty yep. has yep. its own insurance product. And so it's basically uh, really big on the West mm-hmm. Coast. They do a lot of at-risk kind of management of their cases. Yep. Yep. But it's also, I know it's in Virginia, I believe New York. Mm-hmm. So it, it's in yep. different parts They're of the everywhere. country. Yeah. And, and they do have their own, each campus has their own set of, of They're rules. headquartered in Oakland, California. Right, right. And and their physicians are employed physicians, yeah. so there it's a huge group. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, they do some great work. They do. Uh, and as far as tremendous practices, yeah, doing following information, getting best mm-hmm. practices, huge mm-hmm. from Kaiser. Kaiser's right. a heavily right. published they group, are. and so a lot a lot of positive things to say. But again, Doctor Mark, in the Medicare Advantage world, we've talked in the past about Medicare risk adjustment coding. You right. remember that's conversations? Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. And basically, that's what this is all about. Yep. They're called hierarchical condition categories, HCC codes. And what it means is if you're a diabetic and you've got multiple comorbidities, meaning high blood pressure, right. kidney problems, cardiovascular disease, bump up that number. it bumps that number up. Right. And they're claiming that Kaiser uh, intentionally defrauded by bumping those, those right. codes up. Like up-coding. That's what this is all about. Yeah, upcoding. So, yeah. so it's upcoding because yeah. when, mm-hmm. when you do, let's say you do. Uh, a regular patient visit, but that patient has a number of comorbidities, you can upcode a code that's going to pay yeah. a larger multiple. And so that's what they're saying is that they yeah. fraudulently said, yeah. you know, this patient had all these comorbidities and they did not. Right. Now, so, to Kaiser's response, Kaiser maintains they've done nothing wrong and plans to strongly defend against these lawsuits, allegedly and otherwise. Uh, in a statement that they posted on their website last week. Right. Well, we're going to have to put that on our whiteboard to follow yes. yeah. because the, these cases can go on for yeah. years. But a billion dollars, yeah. Dr. Mark? Yeah. That's and some serious money. T- times 40 if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think, yeah. well, well, the the two things that I've learned in these processes is that they, they get a lot of news, then they take a lot of time. Yep. And then they're settled out and no one hears about it. It's exactly. like it's like on page six as yeah. opposed to page yeah. one. Yeah. And so this is something yeah, that we, we should follow. We and we can't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the way it'll end yeah. up. That's so exactly so it would right. be it would be interesting. Well, well, the the DOJ, I believe they typically will announce the amount. I think you, you'll know how they much will. they settle for. Yeah, they so, will. So 
So that that's something that that we do need to follow along, you know, along with the uh, other other information that we kind of covered. But a couple big players, United and Kaiser, yeah. in the news for huge players, Medicare, huge players. No, I mean probably, yeah. I mean United's the largest, some of the largest, yeah. largest yeah. insurer, yeah. and and Kaiser's yeah. is one of the biggest hospital systems of its kind. Right. So it's right. really kind of neat. Hey, did you want you were going to mm-hmm. give us a history lesson? Do we have yeah. time for that? I do. Yeah. Ta- oh, ta- do we have time for that? Look, time. it was a play on words. That's good. Well, we picked up an extra hour. Yes. During uh, daylight savings time. So we have a little extra time. Dr. Okay, okay. Yeah. You so, know, so uh, there was an article published and I thought it was really cool talking about why do we have daylight savings time? Why do we, when do we turn back the clocks an hour from daylight savings time to standard time? And, and of course, the answer was last Sunday or a week or so ago. But over the years, the ending date for daylight savings time has been extended going from October into November. In the current federal law. Uh, calls for turning back clocks an hour to standard time on the first Sunday in November, which is what we did this year. Right. But let me give you a little history. How did all this start? Well, when the United States was founded, most cities and towns used the sun's location to set time. And this meant that when it was noon in Washington, it was 12.02 in Baltimore, 12.12 in Philadelphia, and 12.24 in New York and Boston. What did their smartphones say? Uh, they didn't have them back oh, in those okay. days. Okay, go ahead. So okay. you're, you're getting a little ahead. Okay. But with the rise of the railroads, which made travel faster between locations in the 1800s, the difference in times became a problem. Right. So the railroads in, in 1883 met and established a plan to standardize time across the U.S. And they basically standardized it, which is today, the four different time zones. And as we still use today, well, when the U.S. entered World War One in 1918, Congress passed the Uniform Time Act, making railroad times the official time across the nation and calling for daylight savings time every year from March and October. You fall back and and uh, fall right, forward. Fall forward. Yeah. yeah, fall back and spring forward. Yeah, so, but but in rural America. The idea of milking cows and doing other chores in the dark early in the morning became a real problem. And these people lobbied Congress, and therefore daylight savings time became an, uh, a, a congressional act. Interesting. Isn't Interesting. that cool? That is cool. I'm going to throw a little, another little piece of history that's not written down here. Okay. But uh, so there's a term on the ball. Okay. Right? You're, you're really on the ball. All right. And you mentioned that the railroads were set up as the official time. Well, the official timekeeper yeah. was a man named Ball. Okay. So there's Ball okay. watches okay. and Ball clocks. I've and seen so those. So if you were yeah. on the Ball, yeah. it meant you were actually on time because okay. that was the true time. Man, we're going and, deep. We're and, going and, deep for but that. But you know, the thing is, the only reason I bring it up is a little history. People need to know why. You know, Marco Rubio, one of our senators here in Florida, is doing everything he can to kill this. Yes. Where you don't change to, to the make time. Make it go away. Oh, and make it go away. Right. Fairly and, big mo- movement in the U.S. Big move and and stay on daylight savings time. Right. What that means, it'll be a little darker in the mornings, but it'll be much lighter in evenings right. when people the, have their right. time because the the days yeah. light naturally changes yeah. as, as yeah. we you know go through the universe yeah. here and and but it is interesting because there are some states uh, that do not follow this um, and I believe Indiana Indiana is one of them because I live there. And you used to actually have to, right now, Hawaii and Michigan are the two that do not comply with daylight savings. Why, they're, they're areas, and, that, and, areas and I believe at one time Arizona didn't move ever. Yep. yep. 
But we used to yeah. when I when I would when mm-hmm. I lived in, in Indiana, that uh-huh. was like this big deal of trying to figure out who what time it time was. was. Yeah, I know it, who you were going to call because yeah. now your time, you know, it, it sort of changed yeah. your time zone, right? Essentially, and and you know, it's related to health. There's been comments about the ch- time change actually creates stress among a number of Americans, and I think it probably does. Yeah, I would imagine. You know, yeah, no, because yeah. how many times are people? I mean that's it, it's great. It's on the weekend, but now people do work on the weekends. Now, that's right. That's right. And I think that's uh, yeah. that's an issue that that comes up, and just an added thing of you know that, or it's a great excuse, right? You know, I forgot right. to set my clock. Right. Except back to the smartphones, they set that's themselves. Right. And now the new cars set themselves. Yep. You don't even have to do that anymore. Yeah, my Jeep didn't. I don't Mine know. did. Yeah, my car yeah. did, but the Jeep. Mine didn't. and my wife's car both did. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We got We got to train yeah. them. We got to train right. them. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. And uh, our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us, which, by the way, is a temporary email. We will be changing that in the future as we uh, continue to grow and uh, add to our communications. But Dr. Mark will be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us ipnetworkflorida.com Mark Chayot, MD practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997 working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical technology and education accepting all major insurance 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we're going to continue our discussion on healthcare and how it affects folks and talking about folks being affected. Let's talk a little bit about Walgreens and Village MD. Okay. Tell me this. Tell me this. You had a, you yeah. had a, like a personal touch story, I did. and I think yeah. our listeners yeah. would really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, Walgreens actually agreed to make a five point two billion dollar investment investment in an organization called Village MD, which will make them the majority owner of Village MD. Five point two billion. Five point two billion. The investment will increase Walgreens ownership stake in the primary care company from thirty to sixty three percent. Village MD will still remain an independent company with its own management and board. But here's the deal, Dr. Mark. Uh-huh. They're planning on, Village MD is planning on, and they've already got many all over the country, opening 600 primary care clinics right. in 30 states by 2027. So these are, these are clinics Making you're going to walk in. Yeah. That's your primary yeah. care doctor now. And that's only by 2025. By 2027, they expect to have 1,000 clinics 
across the country. And it was interesting, this Florida Association of Accountable Care Organization conference that I was at last week, right. the CEO of Village MD was actually there. Did, and was, he carrying, of, was he carrying like a bunch of big briefcases uh, with cash? I noticed his pockets were sticking yeah, okay, out yeah. a little bit. $5.2 billion. That's wow. some serious money. Yep. But after he spoke, I walked up to him and I said, uh, let me ask you a question. You're opening up these primary care clinics, and we represent independent physicians. What impact do you think it's going to have on our independent, established physicians in these markets? And I'm sorry to say, Dr. Mark, he completely blew me off and said it won't affect him. Are you kidding? I swear that's what he said. Okay, so he's going to open a thousand practices by 2027. So so I'm going to open a brand new set of of chicken chicken warehouses and uh i'm going to ask you well what about how does that affect the chicken market in the area and i'm going to say it's not going to affect it at all right that's right. insane it's completely insane and uh, and i'll be kind of honest with you because you'd think that someone has brought that up before and he might have at least a, an answer whether well, we believe it or not well, and the, one of the reasons is you know everything we do in ipn is preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine right. and our primary care doctors are key we call them the gatekeepers of care, particularly in the value-based world. And what I was interested in is what was their model when mm-hmm. they come into a market? Do you invite the local market to participate, or do you bring in your own docs? Right. They bring in their own docs. Wow. Man, that is... Now, they may buy a few, but I, I could not believe that he was just completely oblivious to the fact that you're going to hurt a lot of independent primary yeah, care practices we're still talking, out there. I mean, de- depending on... Where he's going, you yeah. could have between fifty percent of the of the primary care to up to seventy percent in some yeah. areas yeah. are going to be yeah. an independent practice. Right. right. And now this this is Larry. It's nothing new, right? No, I, was, I mean Village MD. These, it's nothing and these new. venture capital companies are right. everywhere. Well, I mean, and, right. and Amazon Health is is trying to do the same thing now. Whether right. or not they haven't come flat out and said whether they're going to use locals, but the reality mm-hmm. is. Even if you do, you're making them mm-hmm. employees, and we know that changes the character of their practice. Changes the whole so, dynamics. Yep. Oh, man, I, I just can't. I don't know, Larry. I mean, somebody who's running a company this that's the worth. the CEO of Village MD. He, he's worth that much. Yeah. You and know? he was a physician. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. I was, I was quite surprised. Maybe we should have him on as a guest. Maybe we should. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and if he doesn't listen to our podcast yeah. ahead of time, that's, that's his yeah. fault. Let me let me talk about uh, a comment that we had on a, an email that came in. Okay. I thought you'd be interested in this. Mm-hmm. We had a patient call in, and they were very upset because they had been trying to see an orthopedic practice for their, their, their uh, young daughter, who was evidently quite into athletics and was having some issues with her leg. And so they kept going to the ortho, the orthopedic, and never saw the physician, only saw the ARNP. Gotcha. Including sending them to rehab and never seeing the ARMP. Yet they were paying, according to this person that called in, the same copay and being billed for a full office visit. Right, and it would be. The yeah. question that was, sense, right? when do you decide, I'm not going to deal with this anymore, I want to see a physician and find another practice? Dr. Mark, I'd really like to get your thoughts on this. Well, I mean, I think we've talked about something related. Now, this was a specialist, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And we've talked about my thoughts that in the future, most of your primary care folks are going to be PAs and nurse practitioners. True. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're seeing that direction going already. Absolutely. But, but 
I know cardiology, adult cardiology practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, the pediatric practices have been slower to mm-hmm. go that direction, yep. although yep. in the primary care pediatrician's well, when offices... when you see your patients, you don't have an ARNP going and see your no, patients. No, and, and yeah. I've, had, I've had PAs, yeah. and, okay. and if, okay. they, the, if they see the patient, they typically don't see them on the first visit, okay. and if they... If the patient is going to have surgery, I always see them. Of course. Um, yeah. If they were going to come and see in a post-op and mm-hmm. there were no complications, mm-hmm. the PA would see them without me. Right. But I think but, the issue here was the parents yeah, no, they, they, were upset that they sure. put an entire rehab schedule yeah. for their daughter and they never saw the doctor. No, that that is... I, I, it's not the way that I would do things. Okay, I, I understand okay. the financial burden right. that, that, that all physicians are facing yep. and how... They need to see more patients, and the yeah. only way to do that. But there, there should be an algorithm mm-hmm. now. But but now, look at coming from the the side of the ARNPs and the PAs in most states. Certainly here in Florida, they're pushing for more independent practice. Right, right, right. And so, it, it's going to be difficult. There's because, actually been some legislation on the sure, books about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the, the to give ARNPs more autonomy. Yeah, and the PAs yeah. haven't haven't really stood as as strongly because. The lobby for the ARNPs, it's the nursing lobby. Right. So right, there's so right. many nurses yep. that yep. pay dues into the state, you know, into their exactly. licensure stuff. So, so, but, but anyway, kind of, kind of getting off off topic. Mm-hmm. When is when is the time? Well, yep. it's no different than if you see an MD or a DO right. and you're not happy with that care. Right. So I would base it. Yeah, it's more not dependent on, upon specialty. Right. Is what you're saying? Well, no, no. It's not depend, It's not yeah. only dependent upon the specialty. I'm just saying, right. if you see an MD, if you saw the orthopedist and you weren't happy with the care, right? You should look elsewhere or have okay. a discussion with the office. But it's it's really about the care. It's, it's going to be hard the to pass freedom judgment to know on, what's best for your family, right? And yeah. it's going to be yeah. hard to make that judgment based mm-hmm. on what they're training. You don't really know what their training is, right? You know right. what the right. letters are after their name, right? But there's going to be folks out there. I would I would argue that you know there may be times that I'd rather see mm-hmm. one one individual in the office than the other, right? You right? Know? Right? So it, it's tough, Larry. I think that there's just there's just a lot of lot of angles yeah. To, yeah. to to talk about in that story. But the reality is. You're going to see more of it, not less of it. I agree. There, there's no no doubt about yeah. that. That that I'm certain of. You know, it, and and that leads right into uh, a survey that was done, and it it asked many Americans, "What are the three most important questions that you ask about your health care?" And right. I thought this was very interesting. Mm-hmm. It kind of leads into what we're talking about. Right. The first one was how to determine an emergency versus a medical instant that could be scheduled and the need to go to the ER. Right. If you're not if you're not in the medical field, how do you know that yeah. that pain you're having in your yeah. chest is is because, reflux, not a heart attack? And because you call the office and what's the first thing it says? If this yeah, is an emergency, right hang up and call 911. Exactly. Exactly. I wonder I wonder what what the attorneys <laughs> told us to do that. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about uh, malpractice. Exactly. You know. The second one is how to find the best doctors for my need in a timely manner. Yep. I bet you get calls all the time. All the time. All time. In fact, I call you all the time. Yep. No, and I pre, I, and, you know, and, and, and say, who's, who, who do I need here? Because yep. it's like, it's like anything else, you know, it's, yep. it's, uh, I don't want to plug, it's, it's Angie's list. I mean, right, right, you know, right. who, who you know is who your friends know. Right. And then the, the third one was, do they accept my insurance? Yeah. The yeah. physician that I want to go to, they accept my insurance. We've talked about this so many times, Dr. Oh, Mark. yeah. 
you know, the uh, insurance thing is tough mm-hmm. because you say, well, you can just go online and see. Gosh, no, that's just not That's not, not the worse. way it works. And you can look yeah. at your insurance card and go, yeah, yeah. well, I have this. Yeah. I have Blue Cross yeah. Blue Shield. Yeah. But there are many Blue there Cross Blue Shield plans. different plans. Right. And that's so, right. Yeah. And, and, and quite often, the, there's only one person yeah. in the office that really knows. That's right. That's and sometimes right. they don't yeah. know until they submit it. That's right. And they find that's out right. that you're not there. So that's right. they, the offices do check authorization. But they don't do it until you're there. That's right. I mean, I guess some of them might do it ahead of time. But if you can and and again, you know, we talk about surprise billing. You pay your copay, you think you're covered, and and two weeks later, you get a bill in the mail. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Now those are those are really good questions. I I Mm -hmm. like the uh, the idea of what's an emergency, and you know, the emergency rooms shouldn't be filled with people that are using it as a primary care facility. Shouldn't be. I mean, some things are common sense, right? right. Well, I mean, particularly in pediatrics, Dr. Mark, oh, you must goodness. see this all yeah, the time. For sure. Parents go to the ER and then they call you the next day, right? Right, right. Yeah. 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 So they've, yeah. And, and you ask why, you know, why did you go to the ER? Right, or, or, right. or, okay, you went to the ER, then then you're following up, you know, you're doubling up. That's but, right. That's but right. But no, it's, it's difficult. But I do remember, I remember back in the days when I was a resident and I used to mm-hmm. work at the, uh, as a resident, not work at, but part of my rotation was at the, mm-hmm. the VA hospital. Okay. And we had kind of a rule that if the patient's complaints weren't as bad as how I felt that day, then they probably weren't in the right place. You I like know? that. So, I like but, that. But it is, it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult. And, you know, the models of using, you have to use your primary care folks. Yeah. I mean, that's the way this is set up. You've got to make the phone call. I think uh, the majority of primary care are going to answer calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the insurance companies, right. there's a lot of companies out there set yeah. up to help practices guide you yes and they you know guide you to well, technology's you, you gotten wait. a lot better for after hours as well right 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 yeah much different i had a conversation with a gentleman just uh, last mm-hmm. friday when we were talking about a group uh, that you and i have discussed in the mm-hmm. past that that's what they do for a living is yep. they come yep. in and they help manage patient lives after hours by, after uh-huh. hours by yep. giving them appropriate well, we have one of our physicians notices. developed a program for that right right yeah, yeah, it's, it's called E Night Doc. E Night, E Night Doc. So yeah. we need we need more programs mm-hmm. like that, and I think that that's going to decrease the use of the ER as primary care. Mm-hmm. Urgent care centers are supposed to do the same thing, and and sometimes they do. Although a lot of the mm-hmm. urgent care centers shut down at seven p.m. or eleven exactly. p.m. Exactly. Yep. So that's some not really of them will the go to model. nine. Yeah. Yeah. But the you know th- I think that's another piece that's going to have to be fettered yeah. out. But, but you're right, the, the, the pediatric day, urgent care centers do not stay open late. Right. But, and if it's a Saturday evening and baby's got a temperature of over 100, guess what's going to happen? Right. They're going to call well, Let me the, ask you this, Larry. Uh-huh. What's the difference between that urgent care center and one of our big hospitals' ERs? I mean, it's not care. No, it's not care. You're going to still billing. get the same care. It's, it's billing. It's, it's, well, so maybe we're chasing our tails. Well, if it's an urgent care center freestanding, there's no facility fee. Right. If it is a hospital-owned ER. urgent care or an ER, you're going to get a suit. Right. Uh, you right. know, the average bill is going to be 3000 exactly. bucks. you go to the ER. That's what I'm getting at. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So should we try to retrain humans on human behavior or make that go away? Well, you know, I thought it was interesting in that questionnaire those three questions the very first one is how do i determine yep. that i need to go to the er and i think particularly in your specialty pediatrics mom just runs to the er with the baby if the baby's got a temperature yep. over 100 yep 
But, yeah. but at the same time, I think the pediatricians are more inclined to be taking primary phone calls. All, all the all the folks that are True. self, yeah. you know, they, yeah. that work for themselves. Yeah. That, Dr. Was good, that was really a good yeah. conversation. Dr. Mark, when we come right back, we're going to talk about technologies that are going to transform medicine post-COVID. Perfect. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. But Dr. Mark, we'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with uh, Larry Jones. Larry, you made a promise, and I don't. I'm, this is on me. This is not on you. We're okay. going to talk about technologies that will yeah. transform medicine, right? But yeah. first, all this information is buzzing my head, Dr. Mark. Well, you know, I think we should tell the <laughs> listeners. A lot of times we don't have any idea what we're going to talk about in the next segment until the next segment comes up. That's true. And I think that that kind of yeah. keeps the natural flow. This isn't, you know, a scripted kind of show. Yeah. And we always have a lot of research and data, but we don't know what we're going to use. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, yeah. it is. Yeah. We got we got piles. One of these days we'll have to put up, well, maybe we shouldn't make make mm-hmm. this a videoable e- event. People might, that might uh, let them too close to behind the curtain. <laughs> What do you think, Gabe? A little video? Yeah, I think I gave thumbs up from yeah, Gabe. I knew, I I knew he'd he would. say so. Okay. Well, I want to talk about something that was tying into our last conversation. Okay. And it's the value-based care's last mile, mm-hmm. four essential questions. Right. And this does sort of, it's it's really talking a bit to the providers, and we, yeah. we've talked to, to no our, question our listeners are probably experts at value-based care right now, but mm-hmm. in short, it's a system where a group of physicians partners with a commercial payer. Yep who says, if you can manage these lives and save this much money, we'll split the money with you. And we have seven of those contracts with different payers. Right, and we've been really successful here in Central Florida. But I think the interesting, when you go through these four questions, Dr. Mark, it's kind of a bird's eye view of inside a physician practice, knowing what the physician and his or her staff is dealing with. No, that's true. That's true. You know? All right, hit us up with the first one. All right. Are physicians receiving the right information at the right time? Okay, and what what kind of information do these physicians need? Uh, When it comes to value-based care, the key there is outcomes and cost uh, control. Patient outcomes and cost control. Right. And in reality, uh, it's managing and making sure that you're documenting all these clinical care gaps. A lot, of it, a lot of it is just that. You're, it's exactly what it is. I would say yeah. 80% of the errors, if mm-hmm. you will, the care was given, yep. 
but it was not documented, documented properly. And then we talked earlier right. about fake documentation, which is going to get you in trouble with the DOJ. That's right. So you got to do it coding. right. Yeah. You've got to right. code correctly. And, and th- I'm glad you brought that back in, uh, of the coding piece, because documentation is one thing, but you better code it and have the backup to support the level of coding that you're doing. Yeah, my favorite podcast calls mm-hmm. that a callback. That was a good callback. I like okay. that. So That's like good. That. That's okay. my first callback. All right. The second one, is it easy for for physicians to act on the information? And are physicians today suffering from alert. data fatigue? Yeah, just alert fatigue. Just, like yeah, yeah. piles of, yeah. of, of emails and letters and faxes. It's, we still it's, get faxes. It's enormous. Yeah, yeah. It's so, enormous. And, and a lot yeah. of it is... Normal, 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 yep, normal. Yep. So you got to find what isn't normal and, yep. and respond to it. Yeah. And again, you know, you talked earlier about the financial side of a practice. This is where physicians have to determine return on investment. Right. What are the, the staff I need to be able to do this, to access and be able to gain right. that shared savings yeah, that I'm looking for? It's not a one-person show. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Not so, at all. So you do. If, if you see that these care gaps, we've talked about care gaps, mm-hmm. are not being met, and in our experience, it makes sense for us to employ someone who focuses on multiple practices, yep. care gaps. Yep. Now, it would be difficult unless you have a really huge practice to hire one person that's going to do that. But that's, that's one right. of the things that IPN yeah. does. That's right. Fifty percent of practices in America are solo physicians. Right. That's that's interesting. And the question of do they mm-hmm. suffer from alert fatigue? The answer is yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think the next question is the care team, meaning that. The staff being overwhelmed with data, tasks, and activities designed around the FIFA service, that 10-minute office visit. No question you about it. You can speak to that no, all day, Dr. No question Mark. About it. And yeah. add to that yeah. what EMR brings to the table, yep. which is yep. pain. Yep. Um, you know, we, we were promised EMR was going to save us money, save us yep. time, and make our yep. lives better. Yep. And none of those things have happened. And it took away time from your yep. patient, actually. Right. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, yep. how, how many comments do you get about folks that... They described their patient visit. In fact, this just happened to me yesterday. A friend was talking about a patient visit. Not not a big negative thing. Was just described yep. it and said it. Well, then they kind of like turned to their computer and you know da 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 da. I God, boy, I hate that. I don't I don't yep. bring a computer in the room, but that just means okay. I got to do all my charts when I walk out of the room. Exactly. So and so. and it, you know you mentioned EMR. I think the the other question is: Do physicians feel burdened by technology or empowered by it? And are they really on data overload? And and yeah. IT overload, Doctor Mark. And again, we've, we've answered answered yeah. that. We've yeah. talked to everybody. So many physicians that we've interviewed on the show. When we say, "What's the worst thing that has happened during your career in medicine, yeah. or the hardest change you've made?" And EMR, EMR has got to be it. And yeah. EMR, yeah. Th- yeah. three three letters. And yeah. and it's interesting today. The EMR that is needed has not been updated to be able to deal with the value-based care aspect of where medicine is going, and you're working in a value-based world with an antiquated EMR system. Right. So the EMRs were yep. focused on when when President Obama said we all had to have it, yep. we had to have an EMR, yep. and we had to have a certain percentage of doing charts in a complete yep. fashion, which yep. meant we had these, yep. not care gaps, yep. but we had data checkoff gaps that That's we had right. to clear right. that had nothing to do with value And you moved from based. paper to an EMR system right. where you weren't billing on paper and you were billing through a clearinghouse. Right. So that was one of the biggest reasons for EMR early right. on. And that's a great segue yeah. okay. to this KevinND.com paper on mm-hmm. five technologies that will transform medicine post-COVID. Right. And I tell you, we'll, we're gonna, you're going you're gonna to lead us through them. Okay. And, and we have to take 
at the comment we just made, EMR is a technology, uh, I'm going to say advancement. It is. and and But it has its downsides. But it's, it's antiquated. Had its it's yep. burnout. Yeah, it was yep. kind of antiquated before it hit the table. Well, that's true. That's true. But again, you know, and, and I think when we talk about what are the uh, transformations in medicine post-COVID, obviously the first one, which was used for well over a year during all the shutdown, is telemedicine. Absolutely. Telehealth. Absolutely, telehealth. Yeah. We talked about yeah. that a number yeah. of times. Yeah. It had been severely underutilized, mostly because it wasn't being reimbursed. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, it's been around for decades, but it was... Uh, not reimbursed, right? And and if you saw, if you made a call, you didn't get paid for it. Yep. And the yeah. the patients wanted. I can't tell you how many times that once people had smartphones, they'd say, "Well, can I just FaceTime you at the office and show you what I'm talking about?" Mm-hmm. And you know, we would do that, but that's not that's not a billable visit. But it is now. Yep. Right. It's interesting, uh, Mark. During the summer of 2020, uh, telemedicine went from basically zero to 69 percent of all office visits. During that summer of 2020. That's huge, Dr. Mark. And we're still hanging at about 30 to 40 percent. About 40. Depending on what the specialty is and and how how they make it. Primary care is probably using it more than most. No doubt. Yeah. Mental health. And mental health. Huge. Huge. They're in the 70 percent side. Yeah. Because I think, you know, there's a comfort level. There's uh, there's just so many great things about telemedicine in the mental health field that's, that's really... Yep. That's going to stick, yep. and that's great. And and again, the other thing that uh, I'm seeing in telehealth as well, and you mentioned primary care, you're seeing your ARNPs and PAs taking most of those calls. That is true. That is you true. Know. So we have to train them really well. I yeah, mean, that, I mean exactly. that's sort of the final exactly. answer. And it's all about a confidence level. Right. All right. The second mm-hmm. technology yep. that, that comes mm-hmm. about is drug development. Yep. And we talked about that in our first segment because, you know, the, the vaccines are fall into that category. Yep. And we've got a new sense of urgency because of the coronavirus mm-hmm. pandemic for not just vaccines, but all the right. other drugs. Right. Well, you so know, that pumped it up. Yeah, it did. And you mentioned earlier the kickstart of Operation Warp Speed. Right. I was trying to think of the name of that earlier, and we finally remembered it. That's really what how we got this mRNA vaccines out here sure. so fast yep. under the Trump administration. Absolutely. Yeah. And we did that with a, uh, a Star Trek yeah. term. And, yeah. And what was it in nine months, 10 months? Like and nine, nine and normally right. it's a five year process. Right. Right. And it, yeah. and that and that did more to scare people than impress people. I agree. And it yep. also empowered folks to say, This isn't what I want, but the reality was it was the process that was sped up, not the science. This the science had been there, had been yep. working on that for, for ten years. Right. So that that is but most drugs take take five years to develop and, and lots and lots of money. I think the money to development are still out there. Yeah. But yeah. we've I think we've talked about the vaccines enough, mm-hmm. the monoclonal antibodies. Yep. Um, you know, we talked about the Alzheimer's drug, right. uh, and it's it's really interesting that that this is going to change our basis of what's yep. okay. What's you know, next? Well, you know, before you, but, we go there, Doctor Mark, you mentioned the monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies. antibodies yep. You know, they have actually begun closing these monoclonal clinics that yep. uh, Governor DeSantis yes. set up because the need has gone down so much. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's a great sign. That's, good. Yep, that's a great sign. Yeah, but the next one is we kind of hit on it earlier. The EMR and data analytics. And you can throw in their artificial intelligence and all the other things that uh, is coming into play. Uh, and it, it's really incredible in the way that we can diagnose chronic illnesses and play to the strengths of outcomes based on all the data analytics out there, Dr. Mark. Well, and they've been out there for a while, mm-hmm. but I don't think the public 
was really paying any attention to it, and not you know they not yeah. that they necessarily would, but now everyone gets it. So if, if we have that's right, that's right. an episode of a, a spike in in you know type two diabetes and that chart comes up in the news, I think people have a better understanding of what that right, means right, because of all the data right. that they've looked at. So that's that's yeah. technology that's yeah. been here, yeah. but I think the the way that it is understood by the general public yeah. has changed. And, you know, Dr. Mark, you you will understand this more than I do when I make this statement. Data analytics and artificial intelligence has created new evidence-based treatment algorithms. Sure. And I know you know a lot about that. Right. So we've yeah. worked at, at, like, best case mm-hmm. and all these different efforts. And we talked about Kaja Permanente, you know, looking at, at data right. and saying these right. this type of treatment for this disease gave us our best outcomes. Well, now we're taking that to the next level because the more data we have, the more sure we're about those kinds of exactly, things. Exactly, exactly. And the fourth one uh, is patient decision tools. Right. Again, that kind of, uh, I think when we first approached the pandemic, it was one size fits all. Yep, everybody. Yep. And and it's that's not it at all. And again, a perfect example of the five to eleven year olds having a third do- third of the dosage for kids right. in the pan. That's a perfect example yep, of that. Absolutely, yeah. Of, one of size, more not, data tools. Not one, one size fits yeah. fits all. So those those yeah. decision tools. And then the fifth and and one that we could probably do five shows on <laughs> is artificial intelligence. As soon as somebody teaches us yeah. to understand it, we can do exactly. Those five shows. Uh, you know, I I still say artificial intelligence probably even though it's a game changer. I'm not sure that we're at the level of where it has improved American health care at this point, Dr. Martin. No, not yet. I think in certain areas where it's being used, and basically it's, it's, a, it's a scary, scary discussion mm-hmm. that people, well, that artificial intelligence. But what we're talking about here is automated data collection and selection of outcomes. Yes. Okay? It isn't the computer making decisions for us. It's saying we, the computer is seeing this, and it's seen... 8 million mammograms. That's right. And based on what this mammogram looks like to this evaluating technology, Mm -hmm. that is a problem. And so it's not thinking, it's using all that data. And I think that 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 shouldn't be something frightening and it should be something that it's it's here. It's here and and there are people spending billions of dollars to make it work in medicine. And and just and not just medicine in every area of of uh, industry. Right. And I think you know yeah. blockchain's the same kind of same kind of situation yeah. where we're just getting yeah. lots of data points to help us make our decisions. Right. Well, we made it. We made it through that that Great. paper. We've been holding on to that yeah. paper for a while. We wanted to we talk have. about it. Thought that was pretty good. It was. Thanks, KevinMD.com. Yep. yep. That's a great conversation, Dr. Mark. And, you know, I know we're running out of time, but next week we're going to lead off with where is Amazon going next in healthcare? I think there's some very interesting stuff out there, and we're going to talk more about that next week. But another great conversation, Dr. Mark. Great Enjoyed being, being here. with you today. And uh, let's, again, give our listeners our contact information. Our website is healthcarenow.com. US. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.